0: People, he says this, he, meaning Satan, seeks to alienate humanity from God by disobedience, which we see in Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4, and by ignorance and corrupted thinking in 4, 17 through 18. He tries to separate people from each other through the alienating sins of greed, falsehood, anger, and other related sins. So if you're wondering what is Satan's game plan against God's people, it's very simple. He wants to disrupt our relationship with God and he wants to hurt our relationship with other people. And think about that in our lives. Every single day that you wake up until you go to bed, Satan is coming after you in subtle ways and oftentimes other big ways that sometimes we see. He wants to disrupt you. He doesn't want you in God's word. He does not want you praying. He doesn't want you meeting with Christians. He doesn't want you to come to church. And he wants you and your closest relationships, whether it's family or friendships, he wants to disrupt those things. He does not want you to succeed in the Christian faith. He is the villain of Christianity. He will do whatever it takes to knock us off our block. Now, Paul, he tells us this because he wants to warn us, but he doesn't just tell us, hey, be scared. You should wake up tomorrow and be looking around for Satan. Good luck because he's going to hurt you. No, Paul says this. He is coming after you, but there's a plan. If you want to succeed, if you want to overcome, if you want to do good in the world and still stay connected to God's people and God himself, let me tell you how to do it. And here's what Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 13. He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. I love that end part. If you do what God is asking you to do in this battle, which is going to last all day and it's going to be intense, if you do this, you will win. You will be standing at the end. And Paul says the only way to win is to do so God's way. And to do so God's way is to put on, Paul says, God's armor. Now the reason Paul says this is twofold. One, he's familiar with Roman soldiers as he's going through his travels. But the other reason is, literally, as Paul is writing Ephesians, do you know what he is doing? He is attached, literally, chained to a Roman soldier. He tells us this later in the text. He says, I am in chains now. He's in chains connected to a Roman soldier. But he's still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So he says, pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Literally, as he's writing, he can hear the chain next to a Roman soldier. As he's writing this text, he says, but I'm still going to go forward. So as Paul is writing this, he says, look, I have this soldier next to me. And as I'm looking at what he has on, I'm going to tell you to put the similar thing on, but it's not going to be for physical battle, but for the spiritual battle. And he tells us every piece of armor, and I'm going to challenge you with this. You have to put every single piece of armor on every day. There are times literally throughout the day where I'll be physically putting things on my body (laughs) to remind myself because if I don't, the enemy, can come at either my heart or my mind or whatever way he wants. If we're not doing it God's way, we won't be standing afterwards, he says. But if we do it multiple times throughout the day sometimes, then we'll be standing in the end. So here's Paul, and he tells us what this looks like. We even have pictures for the kids in the room as well and for the adults. So first of all, all, he says, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. John Stott says this, the belt was underneath everything. It held the soldier's tunic together and held his sword. It was hidden, but it gave a soldier a sense of strength and confidence. Now this belt was underneath of it, but he felt secure. And he says for us to feel secure, even though you may not see it, you have to put on this belt of truth. Truth is twofold. The first part of truth is what we call orthodoxy. That simply means the right belief in God. If you want to be strong, if you want to have confidence throughout your day, you have to know the truth of God and his character. It will keep you secure and confident as you walk through this dark day or days that you're walking with with the Lord. And if we have the right belief, which is called orthodoxy, then Paul says it will lead to the right kind of living, which is also called orthopraxy. The right kind of knowledge of God will give us confidence to live out the truth of God in our lives, which is the right kind of life God requires. If you believe correctly, you will live correctly, Paul says. So you have to put that on. And then Paul, he says this, put on the breastplate of righteousness. It is the body armor, or this breastplate of righteousness. Here's what that means. John Stott says, the body armor, or breastplate, Covered the front and back of the soldier. It was a major piece of armor that protected the most vital organs. I love that. To protect the most vital part of yourself, you have to put on this breastplate of righteousness, the shield. Now, righteousness can mean two things. And I think it both matters when we put this on every day. The first part of righteousness is the right kind of living, also known as integrity. Andy Stanley, he says this about integrity. It's my favorite de- definition of integrity. Integrity is doing the right thing even if it costs you. It's always doing the right thing even if it costs you. So if you're at work and you do the right thing and it costs you a promotion, that's okay. It's going to protect you. God promises that it's going to protect you even when it hurts because you're living righteously. You may not get the promotion, life may not be easy, but you will be protected and God will honor people that walk with righteousness or integrity. It's always doing the right thing no matter the cost. And then Paul says righteousness is also our standing with God. Righteousness simply means having the right kind of relationship with God. How do we have the right kind of relationship with God? Through the cross of Jesus It's Jesus that gives us confidence that we are right with him. And that matters so much. We need to protect our vital organs, so to speak, in our Christian life. Because have you ever had where Satan, in order to knock you off your block, he's going to make you question your salvation? Make you feel guilty? Make you feel less than? Make you feel like, boy, I don't know if God really does love me. But when you put on righteousness, you can say back to Satan, oh, yes, he does. I'm putting on the shield to cover me because Jesus, he is mine. I am his. I have the right standing with him and that's going to protect you. So we put on the breastplate of righteousness. We live rightly and then it covers us so we know that we're right with God through Jesus. And then Paul says, put on the boots of peace. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. I thought this was interesting. Max Turner says footwear provided preparation or readiness for battle. There were nails at the bottom so they weren't sent backwards by their enemy's charge. Now, when we put on these kinds of shoes, these good news shoes, so to speak, they're full of peace and it's twofold. First of all, we can have the peace of God. I love the verse that says that God will give us a peace That transcends all understanding. That the peace of God will be with us wherever we go. I can do a lot of things in life if I have peace. Underneath of it all, if we put those shoes of peace on, we know we can have peace because we have peace with God. But that peace isn't just for us. We shouldn't just feel peace. Those who come in contact with us should experience that as well. Think of people in your life that don't know God and they come in contact with you. Do they come in contact with someone who's worried all the time, who's fearful, who's scared of the future, who's letting the politics of the day rule them and they have to fret and argue and fight all the time? Or do they sense a level of peace in you? A peace that no matter who the president is, the peace that no matter what happens politically, the peace that no matter what happens in this life, you are at peace because you know the God of peace. We should be bringing that to every situation we are in. When people walk away from us, they should say, that person's different. They should wanna be like us because we bring peace to the situation. That's the boots of peace. Paul, he continues to go on. He says, put on the shield of faith. This is one of my favorites. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So now the devil, he is, oh boy, I'm losing myself here. The the devil, he is starting to shoot arrows towards us. So we have to put the shield of faith. But we don't just put the shield on alone. I love what Max Turner says here. The shield was a large door, a door-shaped shield of wood and leather and bound with iron. And I love this. In battle, it can be locked with others to form a wall. In battle, of course, we're not just battling one-on-one. We're battling people next to us. And in battle, Paul says, you could put shields together and you can battle even more people and more fiery darts that are coming towards you, so to speak. And whenever ammo the enemy is firing at you, you can withstand that because you are linked up with other people. And Paul is saying, look, when we put on the shield of faith, it's not just our shield of faith. We're doing that together. You're linking up with other people. And we need each other because those fiery darts, they are painful. Fear, worry, doubt, depression, anxiety, Satan is not going to hold back. And if you try to do it on your own, it can be really lonely and really hard. And we can be weak. God says we need each other. We need to help each other and we put the shield on together and we link up. That's why we need small groups. That's why we come together on Sundays, usually in the morning, (laughs) because we need each other to fight back against the devil. What I also love about this is that what is faith? I love the definition of John Stott. When we put on the shield of faith, here's what he's saying. Faith lays hold of the promises of God in times of doubt and depression and faith lays hold of the power of God, it should say, in times of temptation. That's what faith is. When we put that on, what we're saying is, God, I believe your promises and I have your power, so I don't have to cave to temptation. I don't have to cave to doubt and depression because not only do I have my shield, I have other people who are gonna link up with me to, be, to make sure that the devil can't win this battle. That's the shield of faith. Then the helmet of salvation Paul says, put on the helmet or the salvation as your helmet. The helmet was made of tough metal like bronze or iron. Obviously, if you take a headshot, you can be fatally wounded or even die. The reason we put on this salvation on our head is not to protect our physical head, but it is to protect our mind, our thoughts. You and I both know, once, we, once our mind goes and our thought life goes, it's over. We can spiral down so easily. And we need to remember whose we are. We need to remember that our salvation is secure, that we are formed by God, that we are loved by God, that he is not going to give up on us, that even when we fail God, he doesn't fail us. We need to protect ourselves with that kind of salvation that Jesus did for us that we can never do for ourselves. And he's not going to give up on us no matter what. And that salvation isn't just for here, but we have hope for the future. That we have a future with God beyond the grave. We put that on every single day to protect our thoughts so the evil one can't speak lies to us. And we don't believe it about ourselves or about God. We have to put on our salvation every single day to protect our minds. And then finally, it's interesting, everything we've read so far has been defensive. Now Paul says it's time to be on the offensive. And now he says the sword of the Spirit. Take the sword of the Spirit. What is that? It's the Word of God. Of all six pieces of armor or weaponry listed, the sword is the only one which can clearly be used for attacks as well as defense. For someone as a Roman soldier, their sword was small, not this big, but it was small. It was made for close combat. And Paul knew this. He said the devil is going to get as close as he can, and the only way we're gonna fight back this close combat is with God's word. One of my favorite stories in scripture, after Jesus is tempted, or excuse me, after Jesus is baptized, he's tempted in the wilderness. And at the end of that battle, he survives, but he is so weak. And the only way he survives, and the only way that he can endure, is every time Satan lied to him, what did he say? He fought back with God's word. The only way you and I are going to push Satan back and fight back is if we know God's word. We spend time in God's word, and we know it so that when he speaks lies to us, we can fight back with truth. And then Paul, he ends with this, and this is how we'll end our time. He says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Some people wonder if prayer is just an extra part of the armor, and it isn't. Here's what John Stott says about that. No, it doesn't. Never mind. There's supposed to be a quote up there. But here's what John Stott would have said if I put it on the screen. John Stott says, prayer is not a part of the battle. It pervades the battlefield. And here's what it means by that. When we're on the battlefield, a soldier still needs to eat, still needs to drink, still needs to breathe oxygen. And so too it is with prayer. Prayer is the food and the drink in the air that we breathe, prayer is simply depending on God and speaking and listening to him as if he has the words and the spirit to get us through what we're going through. And when we're battling Satan out there, we continue to talk with God because if we don't, we don't hear him and depend on him, then it doesn't matter if we have the sword. It doesn't matter what we have. We can still die. But If we're praying at all times for each other and for ourselves, we can stand firm. So I don't know about you, but tomorrow, when you wake up, the enemy is ready. The enemy has watched game film on you. He has a strategy, and he has tactics to take you down. And oftentimes you don't recognize, but it's so subtle that throughout the day, when you get to the end of the day, you're melted down, and you're struggling, and you're wondering, how did that happen? Well, Satan's come after you. The only way that you can stand firm, Paul says, isn't in your own strength, isn't just to think that it's not happening, but it's to put on the armor of God and pray and depend on God like you mean it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for that challenge that the enemy is real and that he knows personally how to take me down. He uses different tactics for every one of us, but he knows how to come after our vital organs and our hearts and our minds. He will take us down if we don't know how to fight back. You give us a foolproof plan. Help us to put those items on every single day and to wield our spirit so we can fight back. So at the end of the battle, Paul says, we will be standing firm in you. We thank you, Jesus, in your name, amen. We want to